Marcus Stuttard. I'm the head of UK primary markets and the head of AIM here at the London Stock Exchange. Today, uh, I'm going to be speaking to Brian Duffy, uh, Chief Executive of the Watches of Switzerland Group, as the latest uh, in our uh, Be Inspired set of interviews. Brian, it's, it's a privilege to be here with you today. You obviously joined the Watches of Switzerland Group um, five years ahead of the IPO. Can you just talk to us today a little bit about the sort of the journey from uh, joining the company through to IPO? Uh, sure. Um, so we were private equity owned uh, beforehand. And uh, there's one thing of uh, certainty of private equity, at some point you're going to exit, it's not forever. Um, and a normal time frame actually would have been something like five or six years uh, for this group. I was attracted to the business. Uh, I loved watches, loved retail, loved luxury brands. It was UK based and I'd previously been living in uh, Switzerland. So I was attracted to the business, attracted to the environment of private equity uh, overall. And, um, you know, we successfully ran the business uh, with, you know, really good financial performance and inevitably then start looking at an exit. Uh, looked at uh, another private uh, potential exit, which I personally wasn't in favour of. Um, and then took a serious look at the IPO and delighted that we did. And at the time that you um, conducted the IPO back in 2019, you stated a number of, sort of clear objectives that you were hoping to achieve from the IPO around um, increasing the, the brand and the global profile of the business, which is striking given that, I mean, to my mind, that the company's already got a high profile, but also you know, being able to diversify uh, the range of finance options and also being able to incentivize and retain uh, key members of staff through the shares. Do you feel that, like the IPO has achieved those goals? Well, certainly two out of three. Um, I think our profile is hugely elevated um, with a very relevant audience. Of course, the financial community are kind of disproportionately our, our consumers, but, but also with the press, I mean, the, the share uh, investment community is very, very broad uh, in the UK uh, and elsewhere. Um, and they are hearing about us. We've been a success story, so there's good good news coming out continually. So I think that profile is uh, very, very positive. Uh, I think we uh, are delighted to be able to offer their management, um, you know, LTIP and uh, share participation. In December, uh, we gave all of our employees 30 shares, a nice surprise for them just before Christmas. Delighted to do that too. Uh, and a save as you earn scheme we put in place. So all of that's great. Uh, the access to money, uh, less so because we didn't need it, uh, actually, the way things have gone. Uh, we did uh, refinance on IPO, which I think, again, is very positive for this business, hugely reduced our leverage. Uh, but our business has done so well and our products are selling so quickly that, honestly, we haven't needed cash. We made acquisitions but financed it all out of cash flow. But obviously, the, the access to cash is here if we ever need it someday. And clearly, uh, when you IPO'd in 2019, you didn't know what the... Uh the three years ahead we're, we're going to bring. Um, how, how did you find being public during the pandemic? Uh, well, you know, really kind of two different things. It was our early years of, uh, of, of, being, a private, of being a public company. Uh, so we were still learning. I'd never been on a, a board, uh, other than I was on the, the board of Glasgow Celtic as a public company, a bit different than the Watch It or Switzerland. So a new experience for me and the team. Um, it's all been good, uh, ultimately. Things you have to 
you know, be confronted with, address, think about and come back, uh, dealing with an external board, dealing with a degree of governance and reporting. Uh, all of which ultimately I think is positive, but you have to adjust, um, have to look after the business best interests. We were very fast in our decision making and that's been my biggest focus to make sure that we could stay entrepreneurial and focus on decision making, but I think with our board we've been able to do that. Um, so, uh, so then along comes the pandemic um, and one of the things that uh, we decided to do early on correctly is be very available to the investor community uh, because people didn't understand our category uh, overall, didn't understand our model. Uh, so we knew the more we talked to people, the more we get a, a buy into what we were doing. That obviously became a lot more difficult as soon as we were all working from home in our sweatpants and, uh, and, and bare feet. But, um, I think the industry responded very, very well with, uh, you know, we never heard of Zoom beforehand and I've spent the last three years with, with most of our interactions on Zoom. So that did create a different, you know, uh, aspect to it all. But again, with technology, I think the industry responded very well. And coming back to the sort of the gift of, of shares to employees, do you, I, mean, I think it's early days, but do you feel like that is, um, aligned employees' interests with the performance of the business to a greater extent? Um, yes, I think it definitely has. Um, it helps retention, obviously, which today is a, a big deal. It's the biggest deal people talk about recruitment, the biggest deal is retention uh, uh, overall, so it definitely helps. Um, we gave all of our employees a thousand pounds at the IPO time too, so, and we were determined at every occasion to try and make sure that there was a, you know, a sharing of the wealth and the the success uh, overall. Uh, we also, beyond that, we've uh, we've put four and a half million into a foundation. We're very conscious that our business did uh, really well, but the towns and cities that we live and work in, it's not the case with everyone. Um, so we've put this foundation in place and concentrating on uh, on you know poverty, food banks, uh, homeless, and uh, and the Princess Trust, and uh, and engaging all of our employees and volunteering and so on. So. I think your consciousness has raised much more of the kind of broader responsibilities you have to employees and community in a public situation, which, uh, which is all very good. That's a really good point. Do, do you feel like your external investors are asking more, more questions about that side of the business and the whole ESG agenda? For sure, um, and, and I think correctly so. I think. Uh, I think community responsibility to me is you know, very, very important and clearly looking after our employees as much as we possibly can. And again, during the pandemic, we kept everybody employed and fully paid and socially engaged and, and even had uh, access to you know, whatever help people might have needed financially, psychologically or medically or uh, whatever. So I do think all of that's uh, uh, very important. And I do think you know, we were given the environment uh, uh, attention within our company, seeing our responsibility, but definitely in a public situation, the, the need to do that and and the prompting to do that, again, I think it's very healthy and we very much responded to it. And having been through the process of running the business when it was private equity owned and then going through IPO and now you're three years into life as a public company, for those founders and CEOs of private businesses that might be watching, is there a key piece of advice that you would give them? My key advice would be to, uh, to own the process. Um, you won't be short of advisors, uh, particularly leading up to an IPO. Uh, you're really inundated with a lot of very, very good advice. 
Uh, and I think, and I talked to some other CEOs who've been through, I think, a, you know, less positive experience uh, than we have. Uh, and I look at that and I, I think they lost control and they finished up being a passenger on the bus rather than the driver of the bus. So two things I would say is, you know, very much own the story, own the process, make sure that you're, you're driving and, and uh, um, you know, approving of all the decisions. And the other bit of advice I would give is really spend more time thinking about post-IPO than, than pre-IPO. Um, everybody's very focused on an event like it's the end of, uh, of, of the whole process, but as management and the business, it's the beginning uh, in, in many respects. So, um, so in choosing your board and choosing your advisors and you know, setting up how you're going to operate, think more about post-IPO than pre. I'm really glad to hear you say that. So, I mean, when we're talking to private companies, you know, we'll often say you know, view the IPO as the start of the next yeah, chapter absolutely. of the journey because you know, we talked about the higher profile and visibility from day one. You yeah. are potentially a much higher, more profile business. Yes, and you as management of it are, are going to be judged in, on your credibility and, and uh, the, you know, the indications, the promises, the, uh, the guidance that you've given. So you've got to take that very, very seriously, and as I'm sure all CEOs would. Um, but I, I, I think the scrutiny, the governance, the attention, the profile of, uh, for a good business is all, all very positive. Brian, I could speak to you all day. I'm dying to ask you more questions about sort of the, the watch industry, but sort of conscious of, of your time and viewers' time. Let's wrap it up there. Um, thank you very much for your time today. And um, for the rest of the, the viewers, please uh, do come back to LondonStockExchange.com where there's a whole series of these Be Inspired interviews with CEOs and founders that hopefully give you an insight into um, the life of uh, public market CEOs. Thank you.